Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning, however it is uh, that you're joining us. Uh, so we've been talking for the last couple of weeks. We've been asking this question, what is it that makes you happy? And you can, you know, there's a million different commercials. There's a million different books that will all give you a different prescription of here's what you need to do if you want to have a happy life. Uh, but as Christians, uh, we're trying to follow Jesus or people that are considering at least following Jesus. And Jesus gives us a prescription of what he thinks the road to happiness is, of here's what it looks like to have what he calls the, the blessed life. Uh, and he describes it in maybe the most clear way in a sermon that he called the Sermon on the Mount, which we've started going through the last couple of weeks. And we've been looking at what we call the Beatitudes. It's these eight attitudes that Jesus says, if you were to live these out, then they would lead to a happy life. And you can review where we've been over the last couple of weeks by checking out the podcast or YouTube, whatever else. Um, but this week, I want to jump right in. And so this week, we're talking about the beatitude that says that the blessed people, the happy people, uh, that if you want to be a happy person, if you want to be a person with a full life, then the key is to become merciful. Uh, that if you want to be happy, then you need to forgive. Uh, you need to be someone who does not hold on to bitterness you need to be someone who does not hold on to a, a grudge. And I think that's one of those values that when a lot of us hear it, we're like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, partly because that's what we all want other people to do for us. Uh, as I think of my friends, my spouse, my kids, uh, if you have a boss, uh, I hope that they show me mercy. Uh, I hope I'm, I'm dumb and I do lots of dumb things every day. And so I hope that they give me a pass. I hope they say, oh, I bet he's just hungry. I bet he's tired. I, maybe he's just having a bad day. Uh, and I hope that if I do something really bad, that even if I, when I ask them for, when I apologize, when I say that I'm sorry, uh, I hope that they accept that. And I hope that they forgive me and that we can move on in our relationship. Uh, and then that's what we hope that God really is. We hope that God is someone who knows our deepest, darkest secrets and still chooses to love us. And we hope that all that stuff about unconditional love and grace really is true. Uh, but on the other hand, I think a lot of us, when we think of the idea of forgiving and not becoming bitter, uh, we want it. But some of us, especially, we have stories in our lives that just make it so, so hard. Because like when it comes to like small things, you know, when it comes to like little day to day, like, yeah, we can forgive, we can let things go. But some of us have these things in our life that are just so big and so painful and so hurtful that we just, even if we want to forgive, like it just feels so, so difficult. And we don't know if, we, if it's even possible. And so one of the things I think we often ask when we come to these Beatitudes is, how like extreme, how radical was Jesus on this? Like, you see, when he says he wants us to be merciful, when he says he wants us to forgive everybody for anything, did, did he actually mean everybody anything? Or is there like some caveats? Is, you know, there's some people who, because of their story, they, they get a pass. Uh, and I think that's something for all of us to work through. I'm not trying to necessarily answer that for your life. But one of the things that's really inspiring to me is when I see people that have actually lived out the words of Jesus in real, practical, extreme, and radical ways. Uh, so uh, I asked uh, my friend Chris to join us. I've been wondering why this guy in a tie is on the other side of the Zoom screen today. Uh, that's my friend Chris. Uh, 
Uh, Chris and I have been friends since 2002, which is pretty crazy. That makes me feel old. Uh, but he actually became my neighbor uh, three years ago, uh, which is wonderful uh, because him and his wife have a pool. And I have found that having a friend that has a pool is way better than having a pool yourself, uh, especially my kids believe that. So uh, we're uh, hanging out a lot, especially during the summer. Uh, uh, but Chris is someone who has a really a couple powerful really stories of uh, forgiveness and letting go of bitterness and grudge. And uh, forever, this is gonna be a little bit of a heavy week. Uh, so uh, all of you have your own stories, I'm sure, when it comes to forgiveness and letting go of uh, grudges and bitterness. Uh, but Chris is gonna especially talk about some things as it has to do with divorce uh, and has it, uh, as it has to do with uh, abuse today. So uh, that's where we're going. And we just want you to know that as we're sharing, hearing Chris share his story today that uh, we want to be a place where we can share our stories and uh, not all of you will want to do it in a public manner uh, like what Chris is brave enough to do today. Um, but we hope that you can share your story with somebody. And so as you're listening today, if it springs something that like I, I need to talk to someone, uh, I hope that you reach out to uh, myself, one of our elders or small group leader, whoever you're in a one-on-one -on -one with, and we would love to talk to you uh, about all that. Uh, so. Chris, let's let's do it. How's it going, Chris? You doing well? Doing well. All right. Well. All right. So we're, we're gonna <clears throat> jump right in. And so, uh, Chris, you, you're, you're married, and you and Jean have been married for how long now? Uh, Thirty-four years this October. Yeah, yeah. You had to think a little bit about that. Huh? I had to do the date. You know, 1987. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you guys have four girls. We'll talk uh, a little bit uh, yes. more about that. Uh, the, when you and Jean uh, got married, it was your first marriage, uh, but it was Jean's second marriage. Uh, and so uh, Jean had been married before that for how long was Jean's first marriage? Uh, about five years, I believe. Okay. Uh, and so it, it, through that marriage, uh, there was uh, two girls uh, that uh, uh, that they had, and the marriage ended. And we don't need to go into all the details because it's not really either of our stories to share, uh, but it just it was messy and uh, addiction and just really just, it, it was a marriage that needed to end for a lot of, a lot of reasons and just wasn't, wasn't a good situation, especially it wasn't a good situation uh, for Jean. And Jean was left at the end of that with out a husband and, you know, alone, single, uh, struggling with these two, uh, two young girls. Any, anything else you want to add into paint that picture? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is, his drug use and drinking a lot of it I think a lot of it was that um yeah just not a not a marriage anymore uh and so then you guys met and you guys got married and uh, and what I think we're gonna, we're gonna fast forward the story a little bit because what I think is uh, amazing about this first part of the story of yours that I want to share is so we met in 2002 and by this point you and Jean had been married for a while and her ex-marriage you know and all the struggle that went with that was way in the past but like normal person would think like man I bet like Jean still has like some like bitterness and resentment against her ex and you especially think like her new husband like he wouldn't ever want to like hear this guy's name. He just, you know, would just be, you know, like so much just anger and bitterness against this. Uh, but when we became friends in 2002, like you would tell stories of like, oh yeah, like we're going to vacation this summer and like Gene's ex is going to be there and we're going to stay at his house. We're going to do a barbecue. And like, uh, I went to one of your daughter's weddings, uh, Melissa. And like you, you 
Jean's ex-husband are standing around having a drink together, laughing like you guys are old friends. And so tell that story about how you went from this guy who had really done, you know, emotional and other damage to your now wife that you love and your girls and how you went through that process of not only forgiving him, but now you guys are like friends in the weirdest way possible. Um, so when we got married, our daughters were eight and 10, Bonnie and Melissa. And um, we thought it important to have a good relationship with uh, Paul, their girl's dad, because you know they need their father. And when I got married to them, I told them I'm not gonna replace their father. I'm gonna be um, Chris, you can call me Chris, or you know, I'll be like a second dad. So we worked hard to keep that relationship um, as good as it could be just because we wanted what's best for the girls. I think that started our uh, positive relationship is him being able to make that step, uh, seeing that we weren't holding a grudge or we weren't being mean in any way toward him. We were trying to show him God's love, basically. Yeah, gotcha. So, so for the first part of your marriage, you guys were kind of with each other every once in a while, but there was like, I don't know, was there tension or was it just like you guys weren't close yet? I would say there was a little tension. Um, we'd usually see him where he lived. Um, so when we would bring the girls up to New Hampshire, we would drop them off to Paul at his residence. And it was awkward, obviously, um, giving up the girls for the summer to Paul and worried about their well-being. Um, but again, we tried to keep the relationship cordial and um, and then we'd come get him again at the end of the summer. So yeah. that was less awkward, I think, then when we came to pick them up because there was there wasn't that tension of worrying about the the girls so much. Sure. Yeah, that's and that's a whole springboard that I didn't prep you on in the in the pre questions, but I mean, it seems like that's like a huge part of forgiveness is is trusting someone, and so you know, like. Here's the way in which you've screwed up in the past, but I'm going to trust you and give you a shot to not screw up this time, which, I mean, it's such like giant stakes for you guys. I mean, you're dropping off your girls and like, you're hoping that like, he's not going to be driving with them drunk in the car or that yes. he's not, you know, like, like how big of that was like that I'm going to go on a risk and forgive you and trust you enough that. I'm going to drive away and leave my daughters with you. Yeah, it's tough. You know, a lot of the, a lot of stuff goes into it. Number one, we really felt the girls need their father, need to grow up with their dad, a relationship with their dad. Um, we trusted God and prayed a lot, especially during the summer when they were with him, prayed uh, daily for the girls. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, we talked to them. We talked to him before we left and said, we're trusting the girls. They're, they're in your hands. And uh, we hope you rise to the occasion, to the occasion. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and there was like a little bit of a boundary check in there because his parents were around too. So I, we don't want to like necessarily yes. get the impression that's like, hey, you should just leave your kids with whoever and just trust them. Like, Yes, we talked to his parents. We talked to his sisters and asked them to try to be responsible and keep their eye out. But is it now kind of after that, like, would you like consider yourself that like you and Paul are friends now? 
Yeah, I would say we are now. Uh, you know, since that time, since the girls are adults, and you don't have that pressure of you know the care, responsibility. Um, yeah, we've stayed at. Um, there's two houses on the property. We actually there's a small cottage and a bigger cottage. We've actually stayed in a small cottage with Paul in the winter and slept upstairs while he's sleeping downstairs. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to think about, but it, 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 there was no tension. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, you, you guys are hanging out, laughing, having fun. It's not like you guys are yes. just like sharing a house. Like you guys are like actually like connecting on like a personal level. Yes. And we, you know, he's given me um, a knee brace he used to have and, you know, he, We've chatted about life, just life as you would with any friend. I mean, uh, yeah, it's been a number of years. But, you know, I think uh, having God's love and understanding that God wants us to love others and working hard to do that, it, after a while, it's not hard anymore. It becomes natural. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's one whole part of your forgiveness story. Um, then there's another part that's uh, a little bit more intense even. And so, and it also has to do with you and Jean uh, getting married or happened, I guess, around the time that you and Jean got married. So you and Jean got married and it's wonderful. And you guys go on your honeymoon uh, and then you get back from your honeymoon. And so you can start the story there. Yeah, I'll actually start a little before that. Um, so before, our, before we got married, um, my parents, you know, came came a couple of days ahead of time, and they were spending some time with us. They weren't uh, staying with us, but they were spending some time with us um, a couple of days before. Then we had the, the wedding, and um, my best man was also the pastor, so he he had two roles for that day. And uh, he he and his wife were also watching our girls while we were in Cancun for a not Cancun, uh, Jamaica. Not that it matters, but <laughs> <laughs> you are on a beach. It was awesome. I have to get that right. <laughs> um, so we spent a few, you know, days in Jamaica. Uh, a pastor drove us to the airport and picked us up. And uh, when we got home, um, Tom, our pastor, and his wife, Tom took me aside and said, "I want to meet with you in my study." And Carol, his wife, took Jean aside and said, I want to meet you Jew, in my bedroom. And so that was, you know, kind of strange to us, but we split up. And Tom uh, told me, as Carol was telling Jean, that our oldest daughter, Bonnie, had been touched inappropriately by my father prior to our wedding, like the, the night or two nights before our wedding. Um, so Tom was basically grilling me to see if I had similar issues because lots of times it's passed through uh, the family. I mean, lots of times, like like son, like father, you know, like son. So he was making sure. Number one, I didn't have those issues. Number two, he, whether I knew about it, you know, beforehand you know, yeah. that he had an issue like this. So it was, yeah, it was shocking, and it did make me very angry. Obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and that was enough, kind of the tip of the iceberg at that point then too, Yeah, right? so then I contact my, my siblings who all knew that my father had an issue apparently, which made me even angrier. I mean, I was livid then. I'm like, how could they not tell me? Yeah, he unfortunately had uh, done similar stuff with both my sisters and had, uh, had um, inappropriate relationships with women 
while my mother, my mother and father were married. So, and I found out all that later. Yeah, in a matter of yeah, just like a few a few weeks after you just yes. got married. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. So fast forward, and then I'll let you go back. And so again, I mean, we become friends in 2002, and and I don't know any of this story. Uh, I just know that I come over to your house to hang out and your dad's often there and you and your dad are hanging out and you guys seem very friendly. And uh, there was some board game cribbage, uh, cribbage that you guys yeah. like to play together. And so you guys, you know, be on the porch there playing. I just say like, oh yeah, you know, the, Chris's dad's this great guy who like, you know, Chris and him just had this like great relationship. Uh, and then, I don't know, years into you and I know each other, uh, you shared this story with me and how did that story go from you, you know, just after your wedding and you find out and you're livid, I'm sure with your dad to, you know, kind of walk through those years process of you moving from being livid to now you guys are like hanging out on your back porch as again, friendly. Yeah, it was a big process. It didn't obviously happen all at once. <laughs> so let me uh, take you to the I guess to the beginning, when I talked to my uh, siblings, we agreed before I went to speak to my parents that my father should get counseling. It was my insistence that, uh, and everybody agreed that before he could be in any family gatherings again, be a part of any family gatherings, that he go through counseling and that he wouldn't be able to be a part of the group family gatherings, which we got together fairly regularly, a couple of times a year, um, until he finished counseling. So he started a 12-step program uh, specific, specifically for this and uh, got through seven or eight steps and then stopped counseling. Unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't finish counseling. Um, I think he got to the stage where he had to ask everyone who he wronged for forgiveness, and that's where he, he couldn't do it. And during that time, God is telling me, you need to honor your parents. And he keeps kind of nagging me, I would say almost, with that thought. That thought just coming into my mind. And I know he's not talking about my mother because I honored my mother. My parents are split at this point. They're divorced as of indiscretion after all this with another woman. And um, and. I rest, I'm wrestling with God about how do I have how do I honor my father? How do, how do I do that? And that's when he tells me, well, you, you start with forgiveness. So um, I prayed about that for a while longer, and I talked with Gene about it, about that as well, forgiving and honoring. And we decided to allow him back into our lives. Um, but obviously ne never to leave the kids alone sure. with him or, so that's where we started it's allowing easy. him back into our family's lives. So we, we let him back into our family's life. He was not allowed back into the whole, whole family gatherings uh, again, because we made that agreement as far as the counseling. Um, but, but I did feel God was asking me to forgive him and um, let him back, let him back into our lives to basically bring God back to his life, you know, to try to love him with God's love. 
it's really better for me. It's better for our family. It's helped us get over everything, I think, better. Not having that resent resentment in our family, not having that um, fissure, you might say, right? That it by releasing that to God, it allows you to heal and it makes you happier, like you started out saying. It makes your life more pleasant. So it's there's a reason God asks us to do that, to forgive and to love others. It's not just for the other people's benefit. It's really more for our benefit, I think. Yeah. I was thinking about, when you said that, I don't know why it's popping my head, but I have this like uh, nail fungus that my father had and his nails were super hard to cut. So that's one of the things I did was cut his nails when he was toward the end, you know, the last year or so which was not easy. It was difficult, actually, but I got the same thing. So, And then you look at other things like I know because of I work hard and a lot of reason, a lot of my hard working comes from him, which is a positive. You know, he was a hard worker. It's not all negative, obviously, with yeah. any parent. But I also have had to deal with anger issues. And that's because of my father as well. I mean, he had anger issues. That were passed down so you, you things are passed down from your father from your parent both parents i mean obviously yeah 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 i mean I think that's a huge problem I mean, we'll talk about it later on once we get into the summer on the mount but when he says you know don't judge you know the you blank out of your eye you know right but i think that's a huge part of that is that you have to look into yourself a lot and re and then that helps you to be able to genuinely help and forgive other people you know if you're if you're well, living that, a very self-righteous life and i got all my stuff figured out but you got problems then it's going to be really hard for you to forgive but when you can see that like yeah i'm i'm kind of an idiot myself <laughs> yeah that's a great point about your dad too that, i mean it's it's so easy when someone has wronged you that that's the only thing now you see is that you're right. you you, you you abuse people in my family and that's all you are. And the truth is that's, that's a part of who they are, but there's right. the focus to find some things that are positive about them and to appreciate those things and love those things is kind of like, a, I'm not just going to like look past your bad things, but I'm going to intentionally right. try to find ways to focus on your good things. Yeah. Cause it's easier to, I think, focus on people's mistakes or bad things. It's, you know, cause they are on your, on your mind, but, it, but it's, I think we should intentionally not do that, you know, make an intentional effort not to do that, especially for people that might irk you, or rub you the wrong way. You know? Sure. Yeah, exactly. I said at the beginning, that, that's exactly what I want everyone else to do for me. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I know I did that, but like, look at all these good yeah. things I did. Look at me. <laughs> but I'm fun to be with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's much harder to do that for others. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to end by taking communion. I have my little communion cup. You have like a donut and water, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And so he mentioned it already, but I mean, it's, it's, you take communion each week and remember just how much God loves us despite all the ways in which we fail and how much it cost him to forgive. Uh, any thoughts about how that has affected you in your journey? And as you think about, uh, Jesus' ability to forgive us? Yeah, I mean, as scripture says that um, as you forgive others, God will forgive you. 
it's your it puts on your heart how much you know that I mean, we know ourselves what we've done wrong how we and how we've wronged others and uh we want others to forgive us and we want god to forgive us so it's tough to expect god or others to forgive us if we can't have a forgiving heart um and to realize that god would send his son jesus to die on the cross just for my sins uh i don't have i don't i don't have to do that i didn't have to do that to forgive my father we didn't have to do that to forgive paul uh we just had to allow god's love to fill us basically and that's all we had to do that's a lot easier than yeah dying on the cross yeah i love it all right well we're going to take communion on our zoom call you can take communion at home with the bread and the juice and then uh after we take communion uh would you mind uh praying for uh everybody chris sure i'd be happy to good bread take the juice God, I'm so thankful for having you in my life. I'm thankful that you are willing to uh, forgive me of all the wrongs I've done, both to people and to you, Lord, and that you still love me in spite of all that and call me your son. And I'm thankful that you um, fill me with your love so that I can love others. And so that I can do, uh, do that uh, to the best of my ability through you loving me, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. And uh, Chris is around because he, he's my neighbor. So he's actually the uh, one of the elders at the church that I used to work at. Um, but he's, he's around. And so if I'm sure if you want to talk to him he'd be definitely up for it and uh, his wife as well was uh, great and then any of the rest of us like, like Chris said sharing our stories with people and going through life together is is a better way to go so feel free to reach out and share but definitely thanks Chris and we'll talk to everybody soon great thanks thanks for joining us for church today we are so glad that you came we hope you found it helpful to join in on the chat uh, focus on God and spend time learning together. We believe that church is not just a building and it's certainly not just a Sunday thing. We want to become more like Jesus every day. And there are a couple things that we can do to help us grow in that journey with Jesus. One being our next steps email. If you are already on our email list, you'll be receiving that shortly. If not, um, it will be posted on the Facebook page in just a little bit. This email has steps um, for questions, to ask yourself and others, as well as prayers to pray throughout the week and activities. Um, it's a great tool to continue that journey of what we've already been talking about this week. Another thing that you can do, our leaders would love to know how we can help you take whatever next step you're ready for. Um, you can fill out the connect card, which is at the top of the screen at any time, and let us know any questions, prayer requests, anything we can help you with. We would love to um, come alongside you in that. Um, 
Also, like I said, church is not just a building. It's a community of people and we want to be here for each other. So if anything come up, comes up in your week, please let us know. Do not hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you, pray with you, and help in whatever way we can. So we hope to see you next week. Join us at 1030 for our service. Um, if you want to get on a little bit earlier at 1010, we'll have a chat going with some fun questions to get to know each other. And we hope to see you there. Have a great week.